We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 347. It's early in the morning for us. Scott is back from his weekend in Tampa. I'm back from my vacation, and we both signed on to Skype this morning and realized we are wearing the exact same thing, same shirt, pretty much the same hat. Good morning, Scott. For everybody who doesn't, who says that we talk, we sound too much alike, well, now you're really screwed because we're wearing the exact same goddamn thing. Uh, yeah, no, it's been, uh, I'm alive, I'm back home from, from Tampa, had an amazing time, I think everybody there really did have a good time, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, man, it was, it was just a ton of fun, but Yankees split with Tampa, right? I got to, uh, I got to one of the wins, got to one of the wins, unfortunately we lost on Saturday, but as the Rays Twitter account says, you know, it was, it was an, it was an effort that was worth a win. Whatever their Dude. whatever their their type. Of, what do they say? Like, oh, it took you extras to beat. It us. took extra innings to beat us. I I I'm the the race Twitter account has gone so far trolling that I'm actually starting to like them. See, I don't think they're very good though. That's the problem. But it's so it it's so trolly that you can't help but respect. It. I don't I respect. Mean, it. They, no, no, no. I, I disagree with you because because the way that they troll is is like at an infantile manner like the fact that <laughs> yes you, exactly but it's, so I, I actually think there may be like 
a very young person running it. And <laughs> and, and that <laughs> so it's just it's okay, man. Like it took them they, they took a kid out of Tampa High School and just said, Hey, what would you tweet right yeah, now? I don't know. It's just it's it's just weird is what it is. So yeah, I don't respect it, that's for sure. Well, they're t- they treat Twitter like Twitter is meant to be. It's not a professional platform. It is the wild, wild west of the internet, and whatever whatever is said is fine. You just move on to the next day. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, did you plan on going to that Friday night game, or was that just like a last minute thing? Yeah, last minute thing because <clears throat> so I got to kind of recap like what happened as far as me getting down there and all that too because it's highly relevant. <laughs> uh, we we went on 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 Thursday uh, Thursday evening. Like, 4th of July, I think it's not many people are probably traveling on there. There were plenty of people traveling. And, unfortunately, there were a whole bunch of storms in Florida all day. And, I think, into the day before that. So, all the flights were delayed. And, they don't really, they didn't really, we had an hour delay getting to the airport. Knew that. Like, okay, fine. An hour delay. Then, we get there. Long story short, I did not put my head on the pillow until 5 a.m. on Saturday. So we were there all night. The, we didn't take off until three, I think three something in the, in the morning. Uh, maybe a little bit before that, but it was. It, did you think about just cutting your losses going back home and trying the next yeah, day? Yeah, I, I did. I thought about it. Well, the flights were a problem. That's that's the, that's the thing. A lot of them were booked, and it was just it was not easy to get down there. So, um, you know, if we went home and then back, it would we would have been screwed anyway. So anyway, yeah. So got down there late, and because of that. It actually helped me get to the Friday night game because my son Kemp's day was just thrown off completely. And we're like, whatever, we're in the wind now. Like, it doesn't matter. The kid has, like, there's no set time for him to go to sleep. We're just going to, we're just going to ride this one out because we slept like a lot of Friday. Um, so, yeah. So, no, it was a, it was a, I actually went on to, um, uh, I went on to just sort of looking everywhere for, uh, for seats, ended up on SeatGeek. Got my uh, got a seats for the two, for the for for the two of us, and Kemp was free. I was then basically I was in section two hundred eight, fourth row, which essentially were was a suite, <laughs> which was what like thirty bucks. It was uh, I actually paid like fifty bucks for them. Yeah, yeah each. I guess, and, and for any game other than the Yankees, that would have been like five dollars. Yes. Well, they literally had two dollar two dollar entry night <laughs> a couple days before that when the Orioles came in and beat their ass. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's good that you saw a win because that would have sucked to go all the way down there, suffer through airport delays. And I guess with a kid, it's different. Like, I remember when I was coming down for Tampa this year for spring training. First of all, I guess it's just Tampa, bad news all around, whether it's the ballpark or the airports and the flights. It's just... Or forgetting your bags. Yeah. It's just forgetting your bags out after a shit show of a weekend, <laughs> right? The, the, the worst is that we were there at midnight. We are in the airport at midnight, and they were like, we might take off tonight. I'm like, well... Might is not good enough for me. Like, I'm not going to sleep in the airport and then find out I'm not taking off until noon the next day. So I cut my losses and went home. But, yeah, you got a, a young kid with you. You're kind of just stuck in no man's land. You're at the mercy of the airlines. But it's good you saw a win because I remember I went with my family to Baltimore. This was, like, maybe mid-2000, like 2005, 2006 time. And we were driving down there and just decided – we just decided we're going to go to the Friday night game. We had already had tickets to the Saturday game. The Friday night game was awesome. The Yankees won in like exciting fashion late. The Saturday game, I think the Yankees got two hits and lost like four to nothing. So had we driven all the way down there to see like that crappy game, we would have been super pissed. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one of those one of those situations. But either way, the um, the game on Saturday when we the the event um, 
it was a good game. I mean, it's not like it was a bad game. I mean, yeah, we lost the game. But when Aaron Hicks steps up in the ninth inning and, and just hits a freaking home run, I mean, it, it scraped the wall. Like it, we, I think everybody was watching that ball, and then you lose it because you can't see it because the, because the goddamn ceiling is the same color as the baseball. <laughs> and you're trying to track the ball all the way to the wall. Uh, and then it, and it goes out like the, we were going nuts. Like our, it was Kemp saw mayhem at that point because Kemp was at the game on Friday at the game. on. He was with the crew. He was with the BP crew. He's being indoctrinated. He, he was being passed around. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't just like he was hanging out with us. Like he was being passed around. He was he was like the, the, the baby awesome. that was getting, uh, you know, passed up and down the aisle. So um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, and like the. I feel like the the loss came fast because we I think we were all still excited for the Hicks home run and then all of a sudden you blink and Chad Green gave up a um, a home run right. to uh, Darno I think it was right so yeah but it was man it was it's that's almost that's better than if it had just gone like twelve innings again and they lose an extra innings I always say that just rip the bandaid off fast if they're gonna lose get it over with yeah it was a lot of fun I gotta I gotta do some uh, some Keith McPherson style shout outs though for for some of the people that. <laughs> Went down there because honestly, like we, uh, the ones that we have at, 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 in Yankee Stadium, we get to talk to a bunch of people. I see a lot of people, you know, we see a lot of people over and over again. Well, there were a lot of also familiar faces down there too, and um, it was just a, it was just a good time. I was able to spend a lot of time talking to people, so that was fun. Uh, a couple shout outs to uh, Andrew and his girlfriend from they they drove in from I think it was, from Houston, fifteen hours, fifteen hours they drove to to come to this game, and my God is. It, he's he's a hell of a fan because I feel bad for him. He's he's got he's got a really bad losing streak. It's at like eleven or twelve, I think, at this point. No, he's really? never seen a win. Never, no, never. So we had to devise a plan and like how to like fix this. We needed to fix this plan, and um, you know there was some there was some ties with like uh, I don't know for some reason Machado was coming up. Anyway, I'm like you got to get an Ursula jersey or Shella jersey so that you can. Like exercise the Manny Machado demons because he didn't sign. Like we just this needs to happen. We need to figure this out. You need to go get this jersey. You need to wear it and go to a game. Not one I'm at, preferably, <laughs> but one that you can you can win and uh, and get that win. But yeah, so we ha- we are, we have a plan in action now to get get him a win because he deserves a win. So has he gone to just a bunch of games in Houston since he lives in Houston and the Yankees just seem to always struggle. Yeah, there. no, I, I don't remember exactly where all the games were. I, we were talking for a while at the bar after the game, so um, some details are fuzzy. The uh, the 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 Kemp go to the bar after Kemp the game. went to the bar after the game. Kemp was playing hockey nice. with the ice from the beer buckets after the game on the like the you know the push whatever those things those tables are called where you like slide the shit down. Yeah. Um, who else here we got? Uh, so the Charlotte the Charlotte crew the guys who were running the Charlotte chapter. Um, Colton and Andrew, Andrew Schroeder. I, um, I'm making sure. Bunch of Andrews. I'm making sure, a bunch of Andrews. I'm making sure I'm saying his name because um, I, I apparently forgot it when I was talking about the Charlotte guys going down. But I'm pretty sure he missed the, or he missed the flight. The flight was canceled, and uh, he went and just got a car and drove down instead. So talk about some flight issues, but these guys still going down there. Um, and then uh, just you know a bunch of those uh, you know families from. Uh, the Stovers from Virginia, who now live in who now live in Florida. Uh, uh, Michael Crow brought his entire family out there. Um, Andrea and Tiana, we see them all the time at the Yankees uh, in the Bronx. They came down from New York uh, to to watch this game. So, man, I, I'm missing a whole bunch of people, I'm sure. But it was just a it was just a blast. Brandon um, and Greg, who had the idea to do the roll call 
in the in the first inning, and we successfully did it. I had never done this. It was never something I would, uh, you know, I had uh, thought of doing. But these guys wanted to do it, so we're like, why not? We'll do it. We we started doing the roll call from uh, section one twenty seven, and every one of the Yankees acknowledged it. It was pretty awesome. Um, so I, so you told to me you creatures. told me. I uh, saw the Twitter video of that, and then you said bottom first. I was wondering if we got any TV coverage. I went back and I, I rewatched the bottom of the first inning because you know on MLB TV you can do that. You could hear you guys. I could hear yeah. you guys, but the the broadcast did not mention it. I think probably. I mean, the place echoes. There's even for a Yankees game, it wasn't full. No, no, so you kind of get was that. Full. E- the bottom was full. Like the well, Friday night it was super full, but the bottom was. Uh it was full. It's right, but I mean, as far as like it echoes. There's no doubt they, about they, it. They echoes. Well, they they sectioned off the entire upper the entire deck, upper so deck is tarped. What thirty percent of the capacity of that stadium is just not used? 40 percent. Yeah, I, I think the capacity is close to twenty thousand at this point. It's it's essentially. And I, but if the upper deck was open, it might be forty thousand. Yeah, whatever the capacity is of that place. But yeah, it's it's right now a minor league ballpark essentially for for attendance. It's a big minor league ballpark. So yeah. yeah, it was loud. I mean, we were, there's no doubt about it. It was loud, and we had we had 85 plus people plus every other Yankee fan around us because there were a lot of them, you know, joining yeah. in. So it got loud, uh, but it was it was fun. You know, it was definitely the first time any of us had done it because we definitely like screwed it up a little bit, but we powered through. So, um, what's your review? What's your take on the ballpark? All right, so oh, and and also shout out to um, Marcus and Jared, who are the captains in Tampa. Did a lot of the setting up down there. They have now, I think, a really good base for uh, an awesome chapter and a good uh, a good group down there. A lot of people became friends. It was just it was just a lot of fun overall. A lot of fun. Awesome to meet everybody. And uh, sorry if I, Larry Richards also, who's come to a bunch. You've met Larry before at spring training. Came with his family, so it's good to see him again too. Um, the review of the ballpark. Okay. It's a shithole. There's no doubt about it. It, it. Like to me, I think like the place. It reminded me of a minor league hockey arena. Like that was the best thing I could put my put, put it on. You get the lights going on. Like it's purple. Like I'm really the the picture I took from my seat on Friday night and put it out on Brooks Pinstripes. It looked way too cool because it was like a, like the purple. Like if you have air horns, like I need some air horns in that place. I'm like eh, eh. like if there were air horns going off in the trap, it would make a lot of sense. They have a DJ. They have like fly. Yeah, the speaker. I hear. I hear from John and Susan all the time. Although John didn't do the games this weekend, that the speaker system is cranked up to max volume in the truck. Yeah, it is. And the um, they got like fly girls like dancing on the dugout. So like it's a minor league experience okay. essentially. So you have you get a little bit of the Tampa flavor. <laughs> a lot of strip clubs in Tampa. There are so strip clubs in Tampa. The um, so the the actual trap itself. Like I'll give it this: the air conditioning. Very good for me. That's what Colleen's for me, and like bringing my son, um, you know, who also has a medical condition. Like there are things that were good for this game. Like there was an aquarium there. There was a, a sting. Although right. I must say the well, wall. He didn't go to baseball. He didn't go to he a baseball. He went to an aquarium. Game. He went and to the Aaron aquarium, and the Yankees runs. just yeah, Yankees happen to be playing in the background. His first game will be at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. So he um and and uh, to get the details right, like Bevan did tell me that. She was pregnant at one of our events, so technically, if we want to be technical, oh yeah, you know he was. Yeah, Yankees okay, that, ca- that counts. Think, and the Yankees won. I think so too. Um, but yeah, so they have all, you know all that stuff. The escalator situation is one of the more ridiculous things I've ever. And, and it's just like these little small details. Like, of course it is. Like, this was, you could go up. 
Okay, you so you walk in, you're around this like you go around the main concourse, and it reminds me of like when you're walking around the old Yankee Stadium where it's a tube, right? It's everything's closed off, so it feels yeah. like an arena in that sense. Like it's an arena, it's a basketball arena, hockey arena, where you walk out, you know, into the tunnel and you see the uh, the arena, the stadium, whatever, uh, the field. So you're going around and you have to like find the escalators because they're not easy to find. They're next to the food courts, and you go up this long escalator. So when we went down, we tried to go down because all, most of the food options were downstairs. There's nowhere to go down. The escalator only goes down. There's, there's no... St- you mean only goes up? Or, oh, I'm sorry. Only goes up. There's no staircase. There was no staircase to go down. <laughs> they, try, they want to trap you once I, you're at your I seat. Got, they don't want you to I leave. I walked around like I, f- for a solid like minute and a half. Couldn't find an elevator. I eventually, later in the game, found an elevator that was running one elevator from the second floor down. One. It, How, so that is that so, really the only way to get down? No. So by the escalator now, you have to walk past the escalator, walk outside, walk around the the um, concrete circleway where you know where you could like walk down in mobs. It's almost like a uh, like a like a, like a car ramp in a parking garage. That's yeah, I remember. Yeah, the, the old Yankee old Stadium, Yankee stadium used to have those that. as well. But you yeah. physically have to go walk outside, go down this all the way up to the bottom, and then re-enter. The building essentially to go downstairs oh from the second God. floor. So I'm like, am I going to be able to get back in? Because most places there's no reentry. Like that was a concern. Right. And uh, so then I go down and walk around, get in, go back up the escalator. The kid is back on the escalator, and I go uh, and then I go back to my seats. And they and they like guard you from going from one floor to another. Like you got to make sure because the floor two felt like a it felt like a VIP floor, even though it wasn't. It was weird. So I mean, maybe it was back in the day when, like, maybe they designed it to be. No, it definitely a, it, like it a, was because it it feels like a like a, a either minor league hockey or like a college basketball where you go up to the second floor and it's usually like the you know more visiting teams and it's all like club level stuff. Your view from your seats on Friday looked exactly like a suite view would look. It was set back a little yeah. bit and it was in the infield and it was raised. I mean, that is a suite it, view. It was a suite. The suites were literally right behind me. So. It was a it was a great it was a great ticket. Like I, I actually liked that vantage point because you could see everything really well, um, and it was I think good for my first time there because I could really like shit on every little nook and cranny from where I was sitting. But there's no bad seat in that place. That's the thing. Like when you tarp off the top, the the experience as far as watching a baseball game, like not minus the fact that there's catwalks and speakers and like neon green turf, the actual proximity to the players in the field is is good because you're pretty much on top of the field wherever you are so i have a question about those catwalks because every time there's a broadcast so john flaherty was doing games this weekend and he he was one of the original devil rays and they apparently talked when they opened that place like engineers said there's no way a baseball is going to hit these catwalks it cannot happen and then we found out immediately like pop-ups hit the catwalks regularly yeah do these things like seriously look like they're hanging over the field like even from the naked eye do they look like why the hell would somebody design it this way so honestly no when when i'm there i was surprised how high it was and there are speakers those black speakers that hang down off of the catwalks like that's what uh, frazier's home run hit or wasn't a home run it was an out by hetcheveria but last year yeah um i so that's what i thought gardner's ball hit on friday night and I, I guess it was the catwalk it i lost it <laughs> I don't understand how they catch fly balls in that place. I got to tell you, it's literally the same color as a baseball. Maybe it's not as white. Maybe it's a little bit more off-white so they can see it better. But my God, it's yeah. close. The, the thought behind that is just, can we just, 
How about they just put some blue <laughs> lights on it permanently or, or like some kind of a light on there to the, make it look like the sky. Right. <laughs> or paint it like the just, sky. Or it's shine the light up there, you know? Anyway, the, um, but they do, they're pretty high. I, I got to say, they're pretty high. So the fly balls that go up there, those are some major league fly balls that get up yeah. there. Right. But but they hit it all. Well, the it's time. like I think of like when um, Jerry's World for the Dallas Cowboys. They had that. They had that massive TV yeah. and the punt screen in the middle, yeah. the jumbotron, and punt, punts were hitting it. Yeah. So if you have a good punter and you have some good hang time, then he's probably going to hit that thing. But so like overall, like the food wasn't good. I, I didn't really. It was whatever. Yeah. Your your boiled hot dog looked disgusting. It was a hot dog. It's a ballpark hot dog. I don't understand. That's the whole. I don't get this. I don't get everybody shitting on boiled hot dogs when they literally go to a ballpark <laughs> and hit a, have a hot dog every time. Everyone's shitting on my hamburgers over the Those weekend. Were bad, so Those were bad. Those were bad. Um, but yeah, overall, like, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it is what it is. It's a concrete, like, dump that looks like a minor league hockey place, feels like a minor league hockey place. They need air horns. I feel like you might as well just go for it. And, um, but the games were fun. Aaron Judge hit two home runs for my kids' first, uh, first all game. All the games, all up. weekend, all, all yeah. four games were super close. Yankees win the first two in extra innings. Almost come back and win the the third one, and, and then on Saturday, on Sunday, excuse me, Paxton pitched well. They just the offense was just completely lame. We'll get into all of it, but so I was looking up as we're sitting here, July eighth, recording this. Uh, the All Star break this year is a week earlier than last year, but as of the morning of July eighth this year, the Yankees are fifty seven and thirty one, six and a half games up on Tampa and nine games up on Boston. Last year on this date, Yankees were 57 and 29. So same number of wins, two fewer losses, and they were two games in back of Boston. So two completely different routes to get to essentially the same place on July 8th. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's weird. And, and, and I think it just kind of shows you too how, how well Boston's season was going. I mean, Boston's season was going so, so beautifully well for them last year that that now you know you've seen the drastic difference because Yankees honestly like everything besides the besides the actual injuries and what's happened off the field or like just with with personal players and such on the field it's gone as well as you could possibly imagine like amazingly uh, you know how, how they've how they've come out and, and I mean result results, results wise yeah but other than injuries though like the rotation has not performed up to what we thought this rotation was capable of, even with injuries. Yes, Severino's been out, but Paxton has not pitched like we were hoping James Paxton could pitch. Hap, for the most part, has struggled. Sabathia has been... Sabathia's had a weird season. Like, he went out and pitched great on Saturday, but every other start he's made on the road has been a disaster. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, results-wise, though, you're looking at how many wins they got. Yeah, they're getting wins. Scoreboard is all that matters, and scoreboard, they're... (laughs) <laughs> they're winning baseball that's games. it that's that's the big thing and you know early on in the season too the the um i mean the rotation was good early on and i think i think did carry them for you know a couple weeks stretch there where when things were going badly and and you saw you know like tanaka pitched well even that was when paxton i think was was pitching well so turning it around you, there was like maybe a two-week stretch in may where we were getting some consistent starts yeah. and uh so th- i think they've gone back and forth but yeah no there's been a, a large majority of inconsistency we kind of we kind of just glossed over herman being a dominant force for two months that's that helps when you have a guy like herman <laughs> that's the beauty like early on in the season that's what i'm that's what I'm kind of alluded to you had a lot more consistency and and he essentially did play that severino role of of uh, of yeah. 2018, you know, just having that dominant first half, and hopefully he can continue it because when he did come back, he looked good. Um, so that's that's something we need to look at is is how they can build off of this first half. 
Are you a proponent of you do not like to lose going into the All-Star break? My dad, this is a big thing with my dad. Every, every season the Yankees lose going into the All-Star break, he says that is, this is a bad omen for the second half. A good team, a championship caliber team, wins the last game of the first half so they don't have to sit on a loss for four or five days. No, I don't think they care because I think, see, here's the problem with that mindset. <clears throat> If you're still if you're still worried about losses, whether it's the next day or the day after, then like you're you're not in the right you're not in the right mindset anyway. Like you're not in the championship caliber mindset because if you lose, it's over. You move on to the next one, right? So who's who's stewing over it for four days? This should be nobody on that team. Uh, so no, I don't I don't think they are. And I think I think what we saw this weekend, the Yankees get an extra inning win on Thursday, where Chapman blows a save. He looked absolutely lost. He allowed three hits and two walks in the ninth inning on Thursday. And then the Yankees come back in extra innings. Gary Sanchez hits a ball that they're saying was like 460-something feet. Yeah. That thing went 1,000 right. feet as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he, So they get the he extra. He knew it too. Like the, there's some, some, of those, oh there's some great shots of him with uh, looking back at the dugout just like, get out of my face. So they get that exciting extra inning win on Thursday and basically like a carbon copy of the game on Friday – where they win eight to four in extra innings. Judge hits a missile over the center field fence. Guardy has a three run home run in extra innings. And so they get two exciting wins in extra innings. And then they lose a heartbreaking game on Saturday. And Sunday, they looked, they sound, I was listening to the game on my six and a half hour drive home sitting in traffic. They sounded lethargic. They had one mini rally in the third inning, and that was basically it. Every single time the Yankees were up, it was like one, two, three. And Ryan Rucco was saying, and the Yankees go down one, two, three again, on to the bottom half of the inning. It's like they couldn't get anything going. Yeah, it's... I don't know. So it just seemed like this team really... It, it just seems like they, you know, the car is idling right now, and they need a recharge. Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's probably true. I mean, when you have that London series... Uh, and then you have, you know, a couple quick series in between that and the All-Star break. It's hard to, I got to imagine it being very, like, you know, more difficult to uh, to completely get back into the flow of things when you have those those two breaks almost on top of each other. But, but it, you know, they, they took these this team, like, all of these games were intense. They really were. And then even Sunday, you have a, a two-to-one game that could switch at any point, you know, one swing of the bat. They had some guys out. I mean, they were definitely resting guys in the series as well. Um, the... You know, I think uh, on Thursday there were was Judge out. Friday Sanchez was out. He came in, and then Sunday Lemayhew. Uh, uh, and Saturday Glaber was out on Gla- uh, Glaber was out on Saturday. Or no, no, Glaber was in on Sunday. He played short. Didi was out on Saturday. Yeah, so Sunday they sat Lemayhew and Glaber. <clears throat> Those are the two guys going to the two position players right. other than Sanchez, who was DH and going to the All Star game. So, uh, but I'm saying they, they, I'm they imagining Boom just wants to give him right. But, but it makes sense. I mean, Boone just wants to give those guys a little bit of an extra rest. Everyone else is going to be sitting for four days. Those guys, I know they're not going to be playing full baseball game, but they're still traveling to Cleveland. They're still doing media. They're still doing a bunch of stuff. It's we could look at be- it that way, and you could look at it in, in the sense that he's helping them out in a sense, or you could look at the fact that like two of his best players, the All-Stars, sure. are not there for uh, a team that... Well, that's what people are a deciding about. factor uh, against the, the, the team that's closest to you in the division. So, you know, I could look at it both ways, but... Um, you know, I prefer, I prefer, I bet they would prefer to not have that day off and to play so they can get in there. Like, I'm pretty sure those, those two guys would be, would be fine with that, but yeah, whatever it is, what it is. They split, they went down there and split, um, you know, Tampa hasn't been the, the house of horrors that it, that it was last year. Um, they've had success there. Tanaka has pitched well there. 
pretty much all year long. Um, even on on Friday night, he got into the seventh inning and uh, and pitched well. But um, you you want to see the win, but they came out. It's a four game set. If you split a four game set with that team, uh, I think you're okay with it, especially on the road. Yeah, well, we were kind of talking about going into the series. The Yankees could have buried Tampa, I think, if they had swept this series. It's it's unlikely to sweep four in their stadium, um, but it's they're a, not it's going to in arena. That's, they're that's not going to. It's now it's now an arena. They're not going to come back against the Yankees in this division by splitting series. Oh no, no, that's not happening. But. You know, Boston made up a couple of games, too. I, I Look, everybody's counting these teams out like the Yankees are running away. We're in a great spot. Yankees have been playing amazing baseball they, even as of late. Like, there's no—if if, if we're, if we're complaining about what we've seen on the field for the first half, um, as, a, as just a general fan base, you're, you're a crazy lunatic. Everybody has exceeded expectations, I think, as far as team-wise, minus a couple guys pitching. But— you know, you look at what Boone has done with this team, with all of these injuries, and if we're looking at grand grand scheme, looking at how they've um, you know persevered through this first half, it's like we should all be ecstatic. Uh, what is it? Seven and a half games. Uh, six and well, six and, six and, and a half, half lead it was, over. It was seven and a half before that. So that's that. Like going into that, if any one of us knew that if we were fully healthy and had a six and a half game lead, we'd be all on board. If you knew that we had the injuries that we have and it was six and a half, you'd be like, what in the hell? Did everybody right. else just stop playing baseball? Or like, are they all, are they all dead? Like what happened? <clears throat> so here's the one thing from this series. I, I was just, I don't understand Friday. The, the Yankees try to avoid every big bullpen arm. They can, because they go from Tanaka to Cortez jr. To David Hale. Cortez and Hale combined for four innings, four hits, and no runs. So beautiful. The plan worked out. But they end up having to use Chapman to get the final two outs in a win. And then you're thinking, okay, they rested all those guys on Friday. Saturday, Boone pushes Sabathia, who was pitching well, into the seventh inning. He had not pitched seven innings since last year, June 29th, against Boston an event we were at. He pitched very well, but he didn't, he, he didn't pitch seven innings after that. He doesn't pitch seven innings anymore. So why, with a, rested, why with a rested bullpen of Ottavino, Canely, and Britton, all didn't pitch the previous day, all with off days upcoming this week in the All-Star break, why would you try and push Sabathia into the seventh inning in this game in a one-run lead? Yeah, no, it's strange. I mean, you could see, even looking on, on, on uh, who they brought in, like they were not, they were not bringing in guys that were making a lot of sense. You know, when you, when you see the the people that on um, on Friday night even too, like you're you're seeing uh, a Cortez pitch at a high leverage situation. You're seeing David Hale come in and pitch in high leverage well, situations. Yeah, that's what I said. They were trying to avoid every high leverage arm that they have, and just they they escaped. They got the win. They stole that win by really not having to use any of those but guys. But it, that's what's wild. Like why why are they not even doing it on that night too? So the, it, it's obvious that they were trying to avoid for for whatever reason. Like he's trying to get greedy and we've seen Boone try to get greedy in the past and try to take advantage of certain things when he sees something good on paper. And I don't know. But when you're when you're in that game um and you have the opportunity to to take the first 3 you know, to me, you you take advantage of that and you bring in your your number one guys and uh, and try to roll them out. But yeah, they didn't for whatever reason. And uh, and you then, had nine outs to and get. CC <clears throat> and then CC gave up the shot. Yeah, you had nine outs to get with a one run lead. It, it's perfectly set up for Adovino Canley Britain. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it's dialed up, right? I mean, 
The only other guy that you would want in there would be uh, Batantis, but he's not healthy. These guys yeah, are the ones and, that are throwing. And uh, Chapman probably was not available because he threw back-to-back days and he threw a lot of pitches. Right. But okay, they still had Chad Green back there too, who ended up giving up the walk-off to Darno. But so you had four guys. You had 12 outs and only... You had guys capable of getting 12 plus outs and only nine outs to they get. They obviously so, liked something with, with the matchup that CC was... No, they liked Sabathia who was pitching great. I'm not knocking Sabathia. I, it's a, still a good start. Seven innings, three runs on 89 pitches yeah. is still a really good but start. But that's the thing. Like You you also have to... I know that they were looking at CC and saying, yeah, he's, he's good right now, but you have to also like that matchup going into... Because you're playing with fire at that point. I don't care how many pitches he's thrown. You're going through, um, you know, another turn in the rotation in the lineup. We know the numbers on on him when he starts seeing guys over uh, repeated in a in a in a game. So you're you're looking at that and you're like, okay, I'm I'm ready to go. Like he should. We have all these guys rested. They obviously liked the matchup with with CC still um, in, in that inning, but we were all scratching our heads why CC was still in the game when he came back out. Yeah, and both. Sabathia and Hap looked pretty good in this series, and they were the guys pitching on extended rest because they didn't they didn't pitch over the London weekend. So Sabathia was on twelve days rest, and Hap was on eleven days rest, and it both looked like it did them well. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the last time that um, you know Boone had the opportunity to use one of those guys on Sunday in in London, but really, I think wanted to take advantage of you know the extra days off because i think when you have veteran guys like that it just doesn't affect you in a negative way it's just anytime you can get more time off that's a good thing you know maybe a younger guy it can affect his rhythm and the way he does things and his um and and you know how he he goes about his situation but older guys who who just know how to get out there and pitch doesn't matter when they you know how many times in between i think it definitely helps the body and Paxton came back on set on Sunday. He was on his normal rest. He was the guy who they decided they lined up the rotation to get two starts for Paxton before the break. Again, first inning problems, first four batters, two runs allowed. But it was nothing after that. It was a really dominant performance when you look at batters five of the game through the rest of the game. He pitched six innings and struck out 11 guys. So it was a great performance after that. It's just how do they fix this problem he seems to have in the first inning? It's always early in the game, too. He comes out and he doesn't have the strike zone. He leaves some fastballs up. He either walks a guy or it gives up hard hits. It's so predictable at this point. We saw this with, um, was it with Herman that, that would come out and, and just... Uh, last year. Last year. It's a, and- it's a classic starter problem. This is like the most classic starting pitcher problem. You know, I, I don't know what it is. We, we, we've tried to figure these things out. You, you can't... When you're when you're looking at it from uh, from a fan's point of view, it seems so easy, right? Like, like just go out there and get w- extra warm up pitches. You know, go go see Carlos Beltran and talk to him about getting through the first inning. Talk to Beltran about the mindset. I don't know. To me, it's like he's not. It's like he's not fully per- like warmed up and ready to go. It's like he, you know, it takes him a little bit longer to get into the game. So. If that's if that's what it is, like get out there earlier and and change that routine up a little bit so that you have your legs underneath you and you are are more prepared for that first inning. I, I don't know what it is, but if that's it, that that should be relatively simple fix. I think at some point it becomes a very much of a mental issue as well that you have to get past that um, that first inning, knowing that you're walking into a game where you struggle in the first inning. I, like at some point when it become when it's happened more than a few times, you start thinking about it. Um, so. I think it's his job and the well, catcher's job to get it through. It totally bit them because the offense did nothing. They only scored one run. So those two runs were the deciding runs in the game. 
Um, like I was saying earlier, the team looks lethargic. So Gary Sanchez is going through a slump right now. He's six for his last 49. Uh, in that time frame, in 12 games, his batting average has dropped from 274 to 245. He still hit a, a, a game-deciding home run on Thursday. I think he's just going through a slump. Something I'm a little bit more concerned about is Encarnacion since joining the Yankees. He's hitting 131, 221, 361 with eight hits. So he has eight hits and four of them are home runs. He's basically hit four home runs and that's it for the Yankees. Otherwise, he's been bad. Yeah, and and missed a couple plays on defense too, playing first base. But you know, it's it's um, <laughs> it seems like the there's a guy every every time every year now that we can just go sit on and be like, and call Chris Carter. I'm getting sick of it because I don't want I don't want that name to keep popping up because it just brings back bad memories. But um, the comparisons are not that far off when you're looking at home run or bust, you know, swinging at at, at bad pitches. But and. You expect when and when you see Aaron Young, because he was one of the leaders of seeing pitches when he came over too. Like the guy sees a ton of pitches, he has good at bats, and um, and some of these at bats to me just aren't don't look like a, a normal Encarnacion at bat. So I don't I don't know what it is uh, with him. Maybe unfortunately we just can't. He came over in the middle of a slump as well, and I think that's what we're seeing. He's he's got enough of a track record that I'm not worried about it. Um, and <clears throat> yep. it's not like he's physically falling off a cliff by any means. Like the guy. Doesn't look any different than he's looked in the past however many years. Looks like the same guy to me. I think he's just in the middle of a, a slump. So I think he will come around. I'm not too worried about that one. You stole, you stole exactly what I was going to say. This is not Chris Carter where you look back and you say, okay, other than the fact that he hit 40 home runs a couple years, what did Chris Carter do? He was a bad baseball player. Yeah. Encarnacion has been one of the best power hitters in baseball since 2012. I mean, that's just a fact. Right. No, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's why I, I fully, I fully expect him to get on a tear at some point, and we're gonna, we're gonna see that parrot walk around the, uh, walk around the bases yeah. quite often. Um, and it's nice that they, even though he, that he's slumping, they have Encarnacion to plug into first base while Voight is on the injured list, because otherwise it would be Lemayhu. I mean, I guess they do Lemayhu with with Urshela at, at third base, but but still, it's nice to have. I love how this infield is set up yeah. right now. With guys who can play multiple positions, I think what we're seeing with Urshela is that he's still providing them uh, good at-bats in a more limited role, which was, I think, the big question with him is like, oh, is he going to turn back into the pumpkin that he was prior to this when he's not playing every day, where maybe he's like, it's almost like he was having a magical season and and he it was going to end as soon as he wasn't in there every day, but that, that hasn't happened. He's still giving them good at-bats. He's still providing them value in a, I don't want to say part-time role, but like... It know. seems like everybody's a plug-and-play guy right now. So, I mean, there are, you know, those guys that are, are plugging and playing in different positions, but they're there every night. Um, Urshela is a valuable spot here. And yeah, I, I agree with the situation with the infield. Like, they're, they're able to rotate it so well now that all these guys are playing all over. And this is something that I talked, I've talked about in the past, but I think that you're seeing guys that, um, that can play multiple positions now. It's just not as big of a deal as it used to be because of all of the shifting and because of all of the, you know, the position changes that they're, they're, they're making. And you know, specifically with, with our infield, having Glaber you know, going from shortstop to second base and getting a lot of time at both of those, having LeMahieu practically playing a, you know, a, an elite defensive um you know, defensive ability at, at multiple positions. Urshel is a third baseman, but you see them able to go se pretty seamlessly, you know, throughout. And I think 
these guys are getting a lot more reps now at different spots on the infield just because they're moving all over for the shifting as well. So I, I think that just takes away from you know some of the some of the problems that there used to be when you have guys moving from position to position. I just don't think it's the case as much anymore. No, I think that's just how it's like a, a mindset shift and a plan shift. Well, it's also just different for baseball. baseball. I think they get different reps. Yeah, all of baseball. Yeah, because yeah. before, even when you're looking at the reps that they're getting, they're in one spot getting those reps. Like they'll go within that within that position, but they're only staying on one side of the field. Now it's just not the case anymore. Here's a weird thing that I was actually um, uh, here's a, here's another shout out Coley Harvey who uh, I, I found this stat from. So Judge has not pulled a home run this year. He's hit nine home runs, three to center field and six to right field. The last time he pulled a home run in the regular season anyway was July 21st of last year. He did hit two to left field in the playoffs of of of, of last year against uh, one against the. Uh, A's in the wildcard game and one against Boston in in the ALDS. So why? (laughs) What's going on? Is this just a weird sort of he's been injured, limited time. He's only hit nine home runs. This is just he's been going to right field. This is is his approach, and this is where pitchers are pitching him. They don't want to challenge him inside, so he's taking the ball to right field. It doesn't matter. He can hit the ball out to right field, no problem. And frankly, it's still a home run. It still counts the same whether it scrapes the right field wall or it goes into the third deck like Gary Sanchez in left field still counts the same I mean I, I think this is a good thing honestly because it just it kind of shows you how he has adjusted his swing um, that he can take that outside pitch and and do damage with it and to it because I think that he is definitely getting pitched more outside you're not seeing him get challenged as much inside for him to you know turn on the ball and pull it down the line um can he turn on the ball, oh, though? There's no doubt. Is no, it? Look, the, the balls that are going into center field, like if we're all concerned about the balls that are not going into left field, he's hitting missiles to center field. Like when you're taught <laughs> how to hit a baseball, you're taught how to hit up the middle and, and barrel up that ball up the middle. And that's what he's doing. Like the balls that are going to right field, that's a testament to Aaron Judge having his swing flat through the zone with extending that uh, the life of the strike zone longer so that when he's missing or he's late, or he's just trying to poke it out to right. He's still able to do that because the bat's in the right place. So, it's it's a it's a very good thing when you see a power hitter that has the ability to go to right field with consistency because that's his mindset. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's been since he came back up um, with a fixed swing. Like he's gone to right more often. And when you see him going to right, that just means you're on the ball better. And I think when you're, you know, if you're if you're pulling the ball to to left field, you're definitely out in front of it. And, and he, like, the whole mindset of his new swing ever since he came back up was staying back. Like, staying back and keeping the swing and the bat path in the zone longer because then you can get to the outside pitch. And even if you're late, you can, you can get a ball out. So I think this is all by design. The home run he hit in extra innings on Friday, yes, was an absolute P to center yep. field. The thing almost took off the pitcher's head and it went over the center field wall. I just think the uh, the cynical approach to this is that maybe the oblique is not fully healthy yet, and he is sort of afraid to just open it up and try and pull the ball. So, so and he's on. just trying to stay close and stay a little bit more simple and hit the ball up the middle, hit the ball to right field. Or uh, maybe maybe this is just his his approach to stay healthy. I, is that so far? Yes, it is. It's completely utterly ridiculous. Because you're telling what you're doing, what you're doing right now is you're telling me that he doesn't have to swing as hard or have the, the torque to, to hit a ball to center field that he does the left field. It's a timing thing. If he's out in front of the ball and he can sw- he doesn't have to swing harder, he can just 
time the pitch differently and and or if it's the the location of the pitch there's no extra or more effort in the swing when you're going to right field to center field to left field it's timing of the bat to make okay. contact with the ball it's not like he's swinging harder or faster like I, I i don't i don't think that's the case i think it's the approach the way that he's approaching the at bat the way that he's approaching these pitches the way the, the pitchers are approaching him he's still getting that that unbelievable torque through the oblique that's still having the same effect on that oblique um whether he's going to center field because you have to when you hit that ball to center field like that i mean it's literally like I don't even know how how small of a nanosecond or whatever the hell it is to go to make that ball go you know 15 feet to the left and then all of a sudden you pulled the ball. Um, it's just an approach thing. That's like saying Didi can't Didi can't hit a ball to to uh, he has to overexert in order to hit a pitch. He can't. Like he's he's never hit a home run to left field. So yeah, like no, it's an approach thing. It's an approach thing. It's the way that he's swinging. I agree. It's an approach thing. He wants the ball to travel. He wants to walk a lot more. He wants to see the ball. Yes. He wants to have deep. He always has deep at best. Yes. yes I and when you're seeing the ball, that's uh, the other thing. Part of his swing and those mechanics and what he was taught was when you can stay back longer and when you can have that bat flat through the zone longer, you have long, you have more time to recognize the pitch. And I think that's also what we're seeing. We're seeing unbelievable ability for him to recognize a ball that he's able to make contact with. And, and, and I think the majority of those balls that he've, he's had trouble with in the past have been on the outside part of the plate. And now he's making about, contact with a lot of them. What about this? The judges' chambers are in right field. He wants to hit the ball to right field because all of his fans are sitting in right field. Not a bad thought. I mean, he's a people pleaser. Like, the guy likes to, likes to make the fans happy. So I could see that too. Again, part of the approach. Home runs... <laughs> Home runs to right field are not as sexy as they are to left nope. field. Uh, home runs pulled are yeah, sexier than home majestic. runs hit to the yes, opposite they, field. They usually go higher in the air, and and you see these unbelievably like Gary Sanchez has been king of hitting these like massive like just majestic oh, I mean, home that runs. That thing that thing on Thursday night was orgasmic. Yeah. So uh, judge <laughs> judge takes the workman's approach and just gets the ball over the damn fence. Right, and it still counts. The it still same. counts exactly. If no one's on base. It's 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 one run regardless. Yeah. Oh, so. don't worry. He's gonna start. He'll, he'll pull a couple of balls that will be massive. He will. Uh-huh. He and will as soon be as he does, hits as soon as he does, all is well again. Yeah. He will hit a six of his nine home runs have uh, been at key spots. They've uh, either six of his nine home runs have given the Yankees the lead. So he's he's hitting the he's hitting home runs in timely spots. Um, he still plays a tremendous right field, even if he's not a hundred percent healthy. Because we had that weird quote. Where he's talking about he's never going to be hundred percent this season with the oblique, and then he comes back earlier than earlier than schedule, and he's back for the London games, and it's like, oh wow, he healed faster. I don't know. Maybe he's only eighty-five percent. I have no clue. I think he's We're probably never going to find. I think he's hundred percent. Oh, regardless, he's even if he's not though, he's he's still he's still playing well. Yeah. No. Um, no I, this is like a, a zero concern. Zero. To me, it's a good thing because when you have a big guy like this who can go the other way, that just leads you to believe that mechanically he's really sound. And later in his career, like if you could do that, if you could go back to ball the other way, like as long as you could stay on the field, he's going to have a long career. I saw a thread from James Smythe who does Yes Network research um, over the weekend on Twitter about DJ LeMahieu and uh, win probability added. So do you really, are you familiar much with win probability added? Yeah, we've talked about it, uh, you know, on this, on the show in the past. And yes, I've, I think it's, I mean, it's certainly a very, um, in the weeds thing because every at bat, every play adds or subtracts from your WPA, 
But the the fact of the matter is, DJ LeMahieu ranks second in the American League behind Mike Trout. That's pretty good. I don't know. I don't know if you've heard of Mike Trout, but he's, right. he's good at baseball. Yeah, he's okay. He's you know he's a decent guy. I think we just signed a guy, uh, Jason Dominguez or Jason, as you call him. Just going to be the next Mike Trout. So yeah, we got one coming up. But LeMahieu ranks second in the American League behind Trout, and I think that sort of go that that um, supports the. Mailbag question we had a couple MVP, shows ago MVP. about DJLM for MVP. I think so. I think that's a. Um, I think that is a. Uh, I think it's. A, I mean, it's a good. That's one of those stats. So I think you can look at a lot of those advanced metrics too and see, and see more of like the value card uh, than than you can when you're looking at the the, the standard you know, batting averages and the standard statistics. You can definitely see some underlying where the value is. And and value is such a word that gets twisted in baseball because is is MVP a value card or is it an award for the best player in baseball? Well if you look at history, it's it's the best player in baseball who gets the MVP. That's that's just where the writers have always gone. Um, that's how Alex Rodriguez can win an MVP playing for a terrible Texas Rangers team. So you have but but I think now when you're looking at these advanced metrics, you can really see the value of a guy compared to you know what he is you know with the rest of his team and the rest of the league. Um, so I yeah I think it's valuable for sure right there and 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 it speaks to what we all kind of understand and see with our eyes right like Lemayhu has come up in very big situations. He's his numbers with runners in scoring position are unbelievable four sixty two seventy eight at bats like that's a lot that's a good sample size to see. What a guy has done with uh, with crunch numbers. I saw. Oh yeah, you have it in here. I saw someone tweet the um, the Miguel Andujar stat, who led last year with hits. The Yankees in hits with runners in scoring position Insane. had thirty seven, and Lomelio has thirty six in the first half. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, last year Miggy had thirty seven hits and one hundred twenty six at bats with runners in scoring position, two ninety four batting average, and we were all like, "Wow." Yeah. Finally, they have a guy who can make contact with runners in scoring position. This is fantastic. And then, boom, here comes LeMahieu in half a season, almost as many hits, hitting 462 with runners in scoring position. Win probability added, I, I kind of like as a metric. I like it for pitchers, too, which I'll get to in a second. But everything counts. A flyout in the second inning takes a couple percentage points off. Uh, a base hit up the middle in the seventh inning adds a couple percentage points. So everything counts, obviously, more. Uh, things count more or count less depending on the situation. Um, I read a article on Fangraphs. This might have been last year or over the offseason that um, they were trying to say that a, a better way to look at pitchers wins loss is their win probability added. So the pitcher who adds the most um, percentage points to WPA in the game gets the win. Most of the time that's going to be the starter because he's pitching longer. But just because... A starter goes seven innings, but the team doesn't score anything for him. If he pitches seven shutout innings and then the team scores a run in the eighth, that pitcher who pitched seven innings did more to win the game than the guy who just came in in the eighth inning. And they used Jacob DeGrom last year, who won the Cy Young, but he had like a 500 record. And his record would have been something like 17-2 and two last year with win probability added. Well, yeah, and you look at didn't Chapman get the win on, on uh, when he, after he blew the save? He got, I'm pretty right. sure he got the win and in the box. He pitched score, terribly. Right? Yeah, yeah, so like sometimes the, the, the pitcher wins after if, – if a, a starting pitcher is no longer in, in play and he doesn't have a, win, uh, you know, a lead after five innings, it, it can get weird, especially if, the, if late game things get weird. And the fact that Chapman got a win right there makes no sense to me. But um, yeah, so it's one of those things. But yeah, no, I think – again, I think there's value for this um, for sure when you're looking at the, um, 
the overall value aspect, I think you could, it, it tells more of a, a broad stroke of, of what's happening in a, in a, with a player's season. We got the All-Star game this week. Glaber got added. He replaces Brandon Lau. Um, joins Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio as the only players under 23 to make two All-Star teams, which is pretty freaking ridiculous. You always forget Glaber's just so young still. Um, Sabathia is going to be honored in Cleveland. So And Sonny Gray is going to be in Cleveland. He's a National League All-Star. I believe we joked about this as soon as he was traded. Um, so I love the All-Star game. It's, it's still my favorite of any sport. All-Star game, Herman Derby. I think the week is fun. It's nice, like, midpoint relax. You just throw it on and, and just see what's going on. And I'm looking forward to see what, what Cleveland does for Sabathia. I know they kind of did a video montage to him when the Yankees were in Cleveland a couple weeks ago. But he's going to be there. That's where he started his career. So be curious to see what they do. Yeah, no, I think it's cool that Manfred, you know, invited him out there as, a, as an honorary guest uh, to, be, to be in I think it's, you know, that's just something that baseball has always done really well. And they've they've... They've honored guys who have been around for a while, and they they just make note. Um, I think they do that better than than any than any sport. They they acknowledge you know the especially the the lifetime achievement award type guys, or or you know even if you're not um, a, a shoe in for a Hall of Fame. When you have a situation like this, where All Star Game in in the place where a guy's retiring has had a very good career started there, like they just do I, they do the right thing more often than not. I think in, in situations like this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad Glaber got on it. He deserves it. There's no doubt about it. Like, the kid absolutely deserves being on there. I think there's a bunch of uh, people in that position that were um, that had some good numbers, but he certainly deserves it. And the whole Sunday guy thing, like, whatever. First of all, he's not even having that great of a season. Like, let's, just, just, let's all make that very clear. Like, he's on this team pretty much from default. Like, there's not that many dominant pitchers in the National League that deserve an all-star ballot. Uh, I think he's leading the NL, or was at one point in FIP. Whatever. Look. It, this all this proves is that he is just mentally inferior, and it's everything that we thought oh. he was. He's got the ability to yeah. do it, but if he's in a situation like the New York Yankees, he can't do it because he's soft. Uh, and and you know he had to be with. If anything, this justifies the. I Yankees agree. I, I, yeah, because he couldn't handle it, and he's out in Cincinnati, and he's like he's okay. I, he's not great, but he's okay. Um, just yeah, well, I, he, whatever. He, 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 you got to be better than okay to be an all-star. Even if you're a reserve player, even if you're added because of injuries, I think he replaced Max Scherzer, who pitched over the weekend. So Scherzer wasn't going to be able to pitch in the game. So I think that's how Sonny Gray got added. But you still got to be having a good season to be added to the all-star team. Yeah, I mean, I'll put an asterisk on it because he didn't make the you know the real all-star team. You know. Oh, so you're putting an asterisk on? Glaber? Yeah, I kind of don't like it to tell you the truth a little bit. <laughs> I'll forget about that. I'll forget about Glaber and just remember well, in him twenty as an years when you're looking back at his baseball, twenty years when you're looking back at his baseball reference page and you see the as next to it in the I'll awards know. like oh i'll know well i'll remember rem rem every single yankee fan will remember that there's a that he got added late and and that he's a little bitch because so. he went into cincinnati and um and again he got re, re uh, reconnected with his his coddler his pitching coach from vanderbilt so you know there's the, the he's got he's got his own little uh personal yes man there now so it's fine and Can the yankees also had Debbie i'm sick of i just don't want to talk about him anymore yeah, we can't we can't escape him. Debbie Garcia pitched in the futures game and he looked damn good. Dude. One, two, three, first inning, started the game. He struck out the first batter on a ninety-six mile an hour heater on the black on the outside corner, and he got a mercy from Harold Harold Reynolds. Oh, so I know oh, you're you a like fan Harold of. Reynolds now, right? No, I don't like Harold Reynolds. I think he's a joke. But he gave him a mercy, and you know that's when Harold Reynolds gets excited when he busts out the mercy call. There were some good stories going on with Harold Reynolds and Griffey Jr. too. About did you hear this? The Griffey 
where he had broken his arm or his hand, and there was there was a uh, talking about I think the ninety the ninety five team who I hate, but the um that he was not with the team, he was like at home. And there was a, a beanball going on, like guys were hitting. And Griffey drove to the stadium, sat out in the bullpen in case there was a fight, so that he could be there to to be in the fight. Like some good stories, man. Like I think if you're looking for some good baseball stories, Harold Reynolds is probably a really good guy to go to. Okay. And, and okay, yes, I and agree that's with that. why I like him on air because I think he brings that element to the the broadcast. And he just doesn't give a shit. He just kind of talks as a baseball guy. That's why I appreciate him. Anyway. Devi, uh, Davy Garcia, Devi Garcia, Davy Garcia. Look, I think it's Devi. I've heard it. Devi. They were calling him Davy this, the entire futures game. Looked awesome, like so good. That strikeout, there was an absolute. The mercy was was well was well suited for that pitch, man, because that thing was a freaking rope, and it just painted the black. It was a beautiful pitch, and it was right after, um, you know, a, a, a disgusting curveball, the, the breaking ball that just like. Late action, like you see it go, whoop, boop. It's just a, not slow by any means, but a lot of movement on it. Really good stuff. He looks he, phenomenal. And he's promoted to Scranton, so he's now Flying. gone up from single A. Single A started the season, went to Trenton, dominated Trenton. Now he's in Scranton. Kind of supports the, uh, the theory we could see him later this season. I don't know if we see him out of the bullpen, if we see him as like an opener, or what capacity we see him in, because of course there's going to be innings talk with him later in the year. But he's on, he, like his traje- trajectory, trajectory is he'll be in the majors soon. Well, yeah, it's off the charts at this point because he's moved up so fast. But the fact that they've gotten him into AAA now, they're like, okay, you, you, we saw you in, in Trenton in AA against that competition um and supposedly that's one of the biggest jumps going from single a to double a because you have the double a guys it's just a very big difference whereas triple a you know you have some journeyman guys that have been there for a long time um that can be tough too though especially for a young pitcher facing guys who have maybe spent you know a handful of maybe they've gotten like 300 at bats 400 at bats in the major leagues like it's just a different mentality when there's like a veteran guy you're facing rather than just like raw talent guys so this guy this Garcia looks like he's not phased by anything. Like he, he looks like he has the makeup of a guy <clears throat> that has a. Well, he just looks like he has a ton of confidence, um, a ton of ability in himself. So I'm not really worried about that. I feel like he's got that got that factor where where he's you know not no, no stage is going to be too big for him. It just for whatever reason when I've I've seen him pitching like small doses and just highlights and stuff like that. His demeanor and to him talking afterwards, he just seems like he gets it. Um, so you know, I'm sure he's battled adversity throughout. He's not a big guy. He's like what five eight, buck sixty. Like you could blow on kind of like a low, kind of like a Johnny Lasagna type. He's body. shorter though. I mean, he's just he's he's small, um, but he's got that he's got that wit, man, and he's able to to he's got that a uh, little bit of a deception in his delivery as well, um, where he kind of steps towards the um, the visitors dugout and and then like snaps back into uh, into play. So the ball is hidden for like half a second. And uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I just, here's, here's my question, right? I'm curious as to what you think about this. When we're looking at a guy who's flown up so much and, and the comparisons are so, are so relevant because of like the body type. I mean, they're, they're exactly the same, essentially. When you're looking at a guy like Stroman or you're looking at a guy like Garcia, who's now in AAA, now he's right there. We're not talking about a prospect who's been uh, down for, you know, is in single A and that has potential. Like this guy's ready to contribute now. A lot of people are saying that he's being showcased, that this is potentially a trade chip now, and they're going to do it. But to me, when you're getting this close, like now you're seeing value that's potential in the major leagues 
right now. So why would we give up a guy uh, that's so close for another guy that, you know, we've seen flash, uh, but but hasn't been consistent? Well, I, I mean, I think, <clears throat> I mean, it is the question, are you willing to give up Garcia in a Marcus Stroman yeah. trade? I think the answer should be probably yes, because Garcia has come up so fast, like you said. This isn't like a prospect who's been in the works for many, many years. He has flown up the charts in the last two but in, months. But for a pitcher, I don't want to see a guy who's been in the in the in the system for years. Like if I if I see a pitcher that's coming through the organization and dominating through, like to me, that's much better than a guy that's been sitting around and dicking around in double A or, or single A for a while. Stroman, it's not like Stroman though is like a thirty eight year old you're trading no, you're, for, and not. it's only one year you've got, and then that's it. He Stroman in theory should be in your rotation for many years after this. But you've also got so, a guy and, that you've seen for a while. Like Garcia has been with the organization. They 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 brought him up. They know him. They know. They know all the pitches that he's thrown. They've they've seen like they've brought him up through the organization. Whereas Stroman has the injury concern. Yes, you've seen him pitch on a big stage, but Garcia does look like a very similar type pitcher. Like I, here's I don't, a, here's I don't the love thing. This is going to be a cop out. This is going to be a cop out. Whatever Brian Cashman does, I I will trust because we've seen him trade away pitchers, Justice Sheffield, James Caprellian, and. It's the right call yeah. to trade them away. Right. So, and I, I, I agree to that because I think both of those pitchers were flawed. I don't see that same flaw in how do we? How do you know? Gross- All we see is like these crazy ass strikeout numbers, like twenty two strikeouts in ten innings. I'm or looking something at different nuts. things. I don't look at. I don't I, like the production has to be there obviously to move through the, the system. But with with both of uh, Caprillion and uh, Sheffield. Like I, to me, I saw other things. Like I saw mechanical issues with Caprillion. Like I don't think he's ever going to be healthy. And then Sheffield. Like honestly, I, I just Walks. didn't believe that he was going to be a dominant guy. I, I didn't see the stuff. Garcia has the stuff. Like yeah, you see the numbers, but when you look at the actual pitches and what he's done, and you see the demeanor of the kid and just the way that he throws, like it's just different. It just looks and feels different. So when I'm seeing a guy like that, I am a lot more hesitant to give it up because to me, that kid could be like he could pop and, and be a you know a superstar type guy. And yes, he's smaller guy, so they're worried about potential um, load capacity, load, load issues with him. But he hasn't shown it yet. So at this point, you know, you're, we're just saying that because of body type. Pedro, he's now the for a long num- time. number f- MLB Pipeline ranks him the fourth prospect in the Yankee system right now. Um, so you'd probably be giving up if, if like the the Blue Jays for Marcus Stroman are looking for a pitcher and a hitter. It's probably like Clint Frazier and Garcia. See those numbers though. I mean, how often are they updated? Because it's it's. Um, I think they update them mid season. I think they update them early season, mid season, and then in, in the off season. Yeah, I mean, because they updated them for uh, the international signings. Uh, Dominguez isn't he now the Yankees' number one prospect? Well, no, we we had them. He had them up there. Yeah, for as far as the rankings, he was the the, the top Yankees guy. Um, but I mean, Garcia's got to be way up there after watching what he's done and moved up so fast. Uh, and he wasn't in the top ten. He wasn't in the top ten at the beginning of the that's season. Now point. he's number four in the system. That's the point. Like he's going up so fast. Like the guys, the guy has overcome. He has control issues. That's been his big thing in the past. Does he? He still has them to some extent. But he's definitely cleaned that up a lot. And to to the fact that he's improved, I think that much um, with some of the concerns. Like you're flying up there. So whether you're number four or number one, like you're up there, like way up there, as far as uh, and and for a guy that contribute right now and and you know into the future, but ready right now, he's probably the the top guy. 
I just don't. I mean, Marcus Stroman. If you trade for Marcus Stroman this year, your hopes is that he's the difference between winning a World Series and not winning a World Series. I don't think Garcia is the difference between winning a World Series and not winning a World Series in 2009. I think he could be. I, look, I'm not. Oh come no, on! No, I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. He hasn't even pitched in AAA You're yet. You're right, but at the same time, I'm looking at a guy that's dominated all the way through. If he is the guy, let's just get this. I'm not dominating. AA is not dominating the majors. The, no shit. But when I'm seeing a guy, you're saying that he has no ability, no chance to do that. If he comes up, I didn't say no chance. I didn't say if no he's chance. coming. You hate short people. If he's coming up, Marcus Stroman short. Yeah, for for whatever reason, I don't know. Maybe because he's from New York, you're you're giving him a pass. But he, Marcus Stroman, has shown good things, but he's also shown some a lot of inconsistency, a lot of it, and he's also shown that he's 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 been hurt in the major leagues. We've seen this. Like the guy's been down. Garcia has the ability and the raw talent where if he could come up and we could see some, uh, he could absolutely play a contributing role, whether it's a reliever or a starter or whatnot. It's hard for me to get rid of a guy that's so hot right now. That's the problem. When I see a guy that's, that's peaking, like, like currently, like this guy is on a freaking moon mission, a rocket ship to the major leagues right now. It's really hard for me to say trade him. Like you can't get much higher and higher no, than a guy like this. Tra- don't just give him away. I don't trade trust it. if Marcus you're trading Stroman. him. Okay, that's a different question. It's the though. same question because that's the guy who we're talking about. Would you trade him for a pitcher that could help you win a World that's Series? That's the this problem. Year? That guy doesn't exist. That's that, that, so clear. We don't know. We thought it was going to be Sonny Gray in 2017, and it wasn't. Right. So I will so, take my chances sometimes when I'm looking at a guy that's a possible, I'm giving up the farm system and I'm giving up the, pet, the potential for a, a guy like this who's, who's flying up. And I understand there's still time to, for him to, to go off the rails and not be the, the guy that we all hope he could be. Uh, and I'm not saying he's going to be the savior, but do I think he could contribute and help the, the team if he were to get up and show some of this type of stuff? Hell yes. You pair him with a Domingo Herman for a start every time? Hell yes, that's a great, that's a nice little combination. Like the fact that they would have the flexibility, we saw what Boston did last year with their starting pitchers. They put them in the bullpen and they were long, the games became uh, shorter for the pitchers, but they were able to extend the, um, the bullpen because they have guys that were not in the bullpen. So you have a guy like Debbie Garcia who's able to show that, that he can play at the major league level. You're getting a guy who has a starter ability, but could come in relief. You're just you're adding another element that gives them more flexibility. To, and, and what we think is going to need, to, they're going to need some of that flexibility come end of the season, come playoff time, right? A guy like that could could be a major contributing factor. I'm just saying that that is a that is a the way he. I don't think they're gonna they're, they're gonna contribute. They're gonna need him for like seven innings starts, but he could be a dominant factor, two to three innings here. You know, in between, uh, you know in between potential starts or, or, or being a guy that comes in and being a fire extinguisher, there's a lot of ability there, and that's what I'm seeing. All right, let's move on to mailbags. The first one from Brian actually kind of goes with trades. Do you think the fact the Yankees haven't called up Frazier, even though they could use a right-handed outfielder bat, and Talkman is still here, means Clint is definitely getting traded. What would be the benefit of keeping him in the minors if they attend on trading him? So... Frazier, since being sent back down to Scranton, is hitting 229 in about 60 at bats. Is there a benefit? Like, what is the if they want to trade? If if the the theories are true and the Yankees don't like Clint Frazier's attitude and he's on his way out the door and he is their main trade chip, what is the purpose of keeping him in the minor leagues? Well, every day, every day, 
everyday at bats and and the fact that he can't get the everyday but but at this point i don't think he can show any more or any less to his value is not going to change barring injury which he's just as likely to get injured playing in Scranton as he's playing in New York you don't have to talk about York. value either like it's not just a value thing it's a, it's a him just getting those reps and staying at a at a time even if you want him um on their major league level at some point like him getting those consistent at bats i think is is important for his um, his development and just to him as a player to, to stay consistent with that. Whereas Mike, but with Stanton out, couldn't he get pretty consistent? Yeah, at-bats? probably. Uh, I think the defense is an issue. I think I think that Mike Talkman comes up. Yeah, that's what they're hiding behind. It's not hiding. It's not hiding. I mean, you saw him screw up a ball in Triple A. Like the guy's still making mistakes. Like, hey, he lost it in the sun. Okay, and, and Talkman's coming up. Sun, the sun was setting behind him. Talkman is coming up and has hit like since he's been up and plays a good defense. So. He can play all three outfield positions, so it, it does. It gives them more flexibility, and I think that they they value the defense um, right now more than the offense. And look, Boone came out and, and acknowledged that he he addressed it, the the uh, concerns about the attitude, and with him, and and even they 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 put Wade in the conversation too, because when Valera got a call up, they're like, well, Tyler Wade's hitting two ninety eight in Triple A, he no. can play all positions. Why is he not up? And so they were wondering if that was. The Yankees saying, "Hey, you know, in the beginning when you didn't make the team out of out of spring training and you kind of balked publicly, is this part of that? Do you feel like there's an attitude thing?" And they've said that there has been no decision to keep a guy or bring him up that has anything based on uh, their their attitude. They they like the attitude. They think they're all in a good place. So that was their public stance on that. I think with Valera, they didn't want to waste options on other guys for one game. Yeah, well, I mean, he's been up and down with. Like three teams now. I mean, he's been playing I know, well, and but seeing... so if if and he has been playing well with Scranton, but I think that they can they would feel more comfortable where if they in the future run out of options with a guy, they run out of options with Valera. They're more comfortable doing that than running out of options with somebody else. Maybe, but the um, I mean, Valera is is an interesting player because you look at the numbers that he's he's done in AAA, like the kid has apparently stopped hitting a lot of ground balls and has just changed like launch angle since he's come over to the Yankees because he's, he's bounced around a little bit and, uh, and, and he's being productive. He made a defensive blunder on Sunday, but the kid can apparently hit. So we'll, we'll see what, but yeah, I mean, like this was a, he, he, there's, he's not the guy like, but, but if you're looking at depth chart, as far as Tyler Wade and things like that, like Estrada's ahead of Wade right now, you could argue that Valera's ahead of him. Uh, I think if there was right, a longer people were term, people saying, "Well, why didn't Tyra Estrada get called back up because he played so well for them?" And I think it's an options thing. I, I, I think that's why they didn't call Estrada up for one game. Yeah, but I mean, once you're up, you're up. You can get some back and down, up, up and down, no matter how many times you have. The, the options aren't within a season. They're if you come up, you're up. Then they reset. Like you don't, you can get, you, yeah, you can get tossed up and down uh, on the on the on a given year. And it doesn't affect your options. If you go up one time, you can be passed back and forth. Done it six. Do I not understand how options yeah, work? Yeah, I think we need to relook at it. God damn it. <laughs> Next question is from Robert. Last year, Cashman acquired Hap, Britton, and Lynn to improve pitching depth. Uh, improve pitching. I remember the narrative being there wasn't an ace-type starter available, so they decided to bolster the pitching depth with these three moves. Do you think we see something like this happen again since there might not be a number one guy we're all looking for? Um, again, that's, that kind of goes to the point where, where there's no number one guy. Uh, I think there's different things that can happen, and that's why I'm looking at a guy who's getting thrown through a, major, through a minor league system as, as a, a potential option 
Um, but that's the, the problem is that there is no number one guy, right? Like, are we all kind of agree? Because I, I think if everybody's looking at the big names, uh, if you're if you're still looking for Max Scherzer, you should just get off that train because I don't think it's ever happening. They're not gonna they're not gonna trade him at this point. And if you are gonna trade him, you're giving up a ton. I just don't see it happening. Um, there's no number one guy. Like, is is Bumgarner's not the number one guy? So there's a lot of different options. Well, no, he's the number one name, but he's not pitching like a number one Bumgarner anymore. No. So th- to me, that's that opens the door for a lot of different possibilities. Yeah, and I think last year, everyone said, oh, the Yankees did tremendously at the trade deadline. And the Red Sox at the same trade de- de- deadline acquired Nathan Avaldi. And everyone mo- mocked that. Like, oh, Nathan Avaldi's going to be their, their pitching addition. They don't need another starter. And then Nathan Avaldi pitched like a number one pitcher for them in, in the playoffs. So the, the model that Boston created last year essentially with the starters going into the bullpen and the bullpen really just carrying the game the series their, their playoff run even though it wasn't their bullpen it was a lot of their starting pitchers is is an interesting model to look at because if the yankees can continue to play and this this lead stays similar to where it is like do they really need that number one type guy to give up like if even if he's not that true number one guy doesn't really exist on the market now can you just can you can you assemble your pitching staff in a different way that can um, be as effective or more effective with putting guys together rather than relying on that number one guy to go out there and pitch in a seven game series twice and dominate? I don't think that guy exists right now, unless he comes. No, unless and he we comes don't, from within. Well, and they also don't know if in a playoff series James Paxton could pitch twice and dom- and completely. That's shut what I mean. It could come within the organization, so, but they need to add. I think they need to add a starter. They need to add a good starter. Maybe it's not a number one guy, but they need to add a good starter. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough to see who that guy is right now when you're looking at the options. You, know, it's tough to see it us sitting at home. No, it's tough to see. I think for everybody, I think I think it's not not an easy uh, when you're looking at who these guys are and then what you're giving up because that that's got to be the real thing, like who you're giving up and what you're giving up. Uh, and what is helping us at a major league level right now? Because if you're giving up a good starter, if you're getting a good starter, and you know the cost is Clint Frazier, who very well could be a very good, if not more than good, major league bat. I mean, I think we he's proved that he can be um, in a, a much a very very high above average bat in the major league level. Are you giving up that guy for like? Of Lance Lynn type because that's that's the no the not me- a Lance Lynn the medi- not a Lance mediocre, Lynn type. mediocre mediocre type of, of players that you're looking at if you're not going for those number one names and you're you're trying to get like a, a guy like to me the other guys would be trade candidates like go to Arizona pick some pitchers off of their team and try to get them like Robbie Ray to me is also a guy that I would I've said this in the past like a guy that adds flexibility doesn't go necessarily a, you know throw a ton of innings and go deep but he's a guy that you could plug in. They got three weeks to figure it out. Like the trade deadline is right around. But for the a guy like Robbie Ray, like, are you giving up Clint Frazier? Possibly. Yeah, I think any team that comes to the Yankees or any team the Yankees go to, Clint Frazier is in the discussion. Oh yeah. Unless a team, unless a team is like, we are so far away from contending, we don't want a guy who's ready for the major leagues. Now we want a boatload of guys who are going to be ready for the majors in three years. <clears throat> Yeah, but I mean, Cliff Frazier is still going to be there three years from now, and I mean, not not. Does the fact control. that they signed Jesson mean that Florial is now a guy they're more comfortable giving away? Uh, I mean, possibly. It's, it's it's. I think when you're when you're looking now at, at the, I mean, he's 16 years old, so it's impossible for me to say that. But 
there's so many things that could happen. And, and you could still look at, you know, Jesus Montero, who was like the up and coming, the, the, the savior of the organization for however long and then just fizzled. So um, it's impossible to say what they are at this point at 16. So not necessarily. But the fact that they do have Aaron Hicks signed for seven years, I think helps. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> see how long, see how many of those seven years you can stay healthy for. So you, we asked last episode for people in the UK who maybe went to the series or watched the London series to message us, email us with more um, opinions on it. We thank you to Lee Jones, Aaron, and uh, Duncan from Worcester, England, uh, all emailed us. A couple of interesting points, um, but the main one I want to talk about is basically how the the, the TV is set up in, in the UK. So I believe it was Duncan who mentioned this, um, that the baseball partnered with BT Sports, which is also a partner with ESPN to air the games. BT Sports, they said, he said, I'm trusting his numbers, has less than 2 million subscribers. So it's a subscription sports service in the UK. So unless you had that network, you couldn't watch the games in the UK. They weren't free to everyone like NFL games are who partnered with uh, Sky, Sky Sports, I believe. Uh, yeah, Sky Sports, the biggest subscription, sports subscription provider that airs the games nationally uh, for the football games. So I think it's kind of interesting, the difference between the two sports, at least in the first iteration of MLB UK. wonder if they try and change that in the future to air the games to more people in the, in the UK. Well, I just thought of something because we were talking about this before um, we started recording, but doesn't can't, you, can't someone in the UK just go on MLB.tv and buy a subscription online and get it? Yes, they can, but I bet those games were blacked out. Oh, those games in London were blacked out, but not the rest of the games. So that's the th- no, the rest of the games. But but you're not trying to. You're how are you going to sell someone on a hundred and fifteen dollars subscription service for a year to a sport they've never watched, no. other than airing the games free to them to start? So I don't think it. I think if the I have a different opinion on this now that I just thought of it. What you're saying. The, so the the fact that they went with a smaller um, uh, sports subscription provider. That you have to, I guess it's it's more money. Anyway, I, I think that the fact that it was a spectacle for these two games, like I think if people are going to watch it, they're going to watch it. Um, more importantly, is how can they get the games afterwards? Can they get, have access to the games afterwards? Because to me, that's the biggest the biggest thing is you're trying to lure people in for the one day uh, or the one series, and then you're trying to get them afterwards. And I think the fact that the MLB TV exists is is a is a big deal, and, and it's different than the NFL because. Um, one, the NFL package is expensive for a short, a small amount of games. MLB, you're definitely getting more of a value add because of the amount of games and such. Um, and it's it, to me, it's just better. Like, yeah, I mean, it comes out to like less than a dollar a game if you watch every and, game. And like MBAM, and I know they're licensing their technology all over the place, but they were they're the best um, technology as far as like getting the games. Like, you can watch it in 4K. You can watch the games are great um, uh, when you stream them. So I don't necessarily think that's as big of an issue. With with what they're um, with what they're selling over there, I, I mean to be honest, I have no clue. I'm just going <laughs> go yeah, by I'm what these guys that, said. Yeah, who yeah. and they, but they, they, some of these guys went to the games. They they had a blast. Everyone has had a blast. I know you you had Keith on last episode. The George's Box guys covered it all. I, we're not going to keep talking about the London series because people are probably getting sick of it. But I, I I think all in all, it was a great first first event in London. For, for MLB. Yeah, yeah. And no, thanks to the guys who wrote in and, and gave us all their thoughts on it because it was uh, it's interesting to read it. We should turn this into an article, I think. It, it's, it's, it would be better in written form. 
probably than me butchering uh, <laughs> their paragraphs that they sent in. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Next episode will be on Thursday. We're going to be talking about All-Star Game Home Run Derby. We're also going to be doing midseason awards. Um, so start thinking about that, Scott. Any final words? Now, just again, thank you to everybody who came down to Tampa, all the people that were local to Tampa um, that, that came to the BP Crew event. The, um, you need to get If you haven't gotten your tickets for July 20th yet, the Colorado Rockies series that we're doing, uh, the game on July 20th in the Bronx, go get your tickets, 69 bucks. The T-shirt deadline is pretty much today. So if you are, are looking for your T-shirt uh, for the game time, go and buy your ticket now. Uh, we have a whole lot of people. I need to look at what the, final, what the numbers are right now, but I think it's close to 150 people, maybe even more than that. Um, for this game, again, 69 bucks gets you uh, pregame. We need to see if the dugout is going to be open for this particular game or if we're still shut down for uh, you know unknown reasons, although they are very public. <laughs> do we want it? They're very public. Do we want to go? Do we want to go mean, if they're back open? If someone's pouring beer, I don't really care. I'm, I would never have eaten from there in the first place. So if you guys are eating from there, whether no, you know that they're healthy. I didn't even know they had food. Yes, you, you knew there was so a Taco Bell. So I've never consumed <laughs> Taco Bell. That's Taco Bell. That's not the dugout. I've never consumed anything from the dugout that didn't come out of a bottle or a can. So I'm safe. Okay. Uh, but yeah, go get your tickets. Uh, and then the, the final one is uh, at the end of August. So we'll have a, a nice little break in between them. Uh, but that'll be fun. But again, thanks to everybody who came out. I had, really had a, a blast. A couple more shout outs to guys from South Carolina. Um, Seth and his uh, girlfriend were there. I was able to talk with them for a while. Andrew Roloff, another Andrew, um, who I've been going, he's been hanging out with us on, on, uh, on social media for a while. And he and I have always gone back and forth about t shirt designs and such. So it was really cool to meet him. Um, but again, just a blast to see everybody at these. Uh, the hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.